0: Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. My mother was 24 years old when she had me. Her firstborn child, which... While not at all strange, it seems to me now impossibly young. Most of my own time when I was 24, I squandered in random bars and random cities. Instead, she told me that she prayed for a baby boy, and then she was given one. She fed me, birthed me, bathed me, kissed me, sang to me, read to me, and all the beautiful things that mothers do before our burden before this wall of misunderstanding and bewilderment that poisons our relationship had even taken root. Because I was first. For one full year, I did not have to share her. I basked in her full and undivided attention. Her eyes were the first thing I saw in the morning and the last thing I stared into before she bundled me into a blanket at night. I was not an exceptional child. My first words did not erupt early. My first steps occurred far outside the statistical average. A birthmark stained the side of my face. There was even talk from outside our house that maybe I wasn't quite right. But she treated me as if I were the special gift from God she thought I was. So young herself, so dutiful, as if nothing in all the world could possibly be more important than me. Why? Colicky, feverish, slow, spotted. What is this impulse to sacrifice her own youth for mine? Well, today on Snap Judgment, a love letter of sorts the woman who first taught me what the word love even means step judgment probably presents mama knows best my name is from washington and there will be no content advisories on today's show because mama does not appreciate that kind of language when you're listening snap judgment Begin began with a story called My Mother Made Me. It's a series from Radiotopia Presents where writer Jason Reynolds and his mother Isabel explore a shared history and what happens when the child is no longer a child. I'll let Jason take it from here. Snap
1: Judgment. I was raised by a fascinating woman. My mom was raised by two farmers, basically, a farmer and a farmer's wife. And so when I came around, it was kind of like, I'm going to give this boy everything I got and everything I didn't have to make sure that he grows up as a whole person. I think about the things my mother taught us as kids about. Even if it was an ancient belief system, she had no problem saying it doesn't make sense, so we don't have to believe that. Yeah, no matter what else is going on, you make sure that your clothes ain't wrinkled yeah, and your shoes are clean. It's right? so like a big wrong. deal that's for her. Ma, I got on linen right now. <laughs> your mom is a complete <laughs> badass. Yeah. And oh God. All the way. Oh Yeah, she's definitely a G, and pretty much the star of this podcast, and you're going to hear from her soon. But first, think of me as her warm-up act, and let me tell y'all a story to get you primed for the Isabel Reynolds experience. A few years ago, I was on tour promoting a book I'd written called Look Both Ways, which is a collection of short stories exploring the moments young people get to become more of themselves without the watchful eye and wisdom of adults. I'd been on tons of book tours, trekking across the country from the smallest towns to the biggest cities. And usually when I showed up, I'd be given a lovely introduction. And then I'd basically stand at a microphone and talk for 45 minutes about the book, the making of it. Maybe I'd even read a little from it and crack some jokes. It was sort of like a strange routine, a one-man show, performance art that ended with Q&A and an autograph line with some of the most adorable children on the planet. Kids who showed up ready to take pictures and tell me all their thoughts about my stories, which usually blurred into thoughts about theirs. It's an incredible experience for me. But over the years, it's become difficult to lift it all by myself. So some time ago, I asked my publicist if I could do my tour in conversation, which just means every stop, someone would interview me about my work in front of an audience. And though it lacks some of the oomph that usually comes with my, let's call them performances, if the person sitting across from me is the right person, then the experience can still be pretty entertaining. Look, I've got my wish list. I mean, I'd love to chat with Terry Gross or Don Cheadle or I don't know, Patty Labelle, Angela Bassett, or somebody like Jonathan Majors. I feel like he'd be a good interviewer. Or maybe one of my uncles, like my uncle Bob, who would only ask questions that would make me laugh. And we'd probably split a bottle of wine on stage and make a mess of things. Or maybe Jay Z. Like I said, I got my wish list. But one person who I was fortunate enough to be interviewed by on the Look Both Ways tour is, to me, more legendary than everyone else I just named. Well, except for maybe Uncle Bob. I mean, this person is a cultural cornerstone, a legend's legend, a generational giant. And on top of all that, he used to rock a mean hoop earring. I'm talking about the incomparable LeVar Burton. Yes, that LeVar Burton from Reading Rainbow and Roots and Star Trek and should have been Jeopardy, but we don't have to talk about that. It was a beautiful day in L.A. and when I showed up at Barnes and Nobles at the Grove, LeVar was waiting in the green room, which was actually the staff's break room because bookstores don't be glamorous, right? We introduce ourselves and chat briefly for a few moments before taking the stage first 10 minutes of the interview we ended up talking about our mothers We spoke their names and waxed about how grateful we are for them to have come through them to have been of them we even cried a little and that was the beginning of the show and i wish i could tell you that moment was the highlight but it wasn't the most memorable moment for me at least came after we finished signing books
2: Our first moment of bonding was over our moms, around our moms.
1: Yeah, I reached out to LeVar to ask him if he remembers that conversation.
2: But as I recall, we spent some time that day. Also, you know, I I prompted you, are you taking care of yourself, right? Right. And, you know, you sort of hemmed and hawed. And I (laughs) (laughs) I got a very clear sense that this was an issue for you in your life, that this was something that you were struggling with. And I just wanted to, as someone who has had experience, having to learn the need and necessity, painfully, painstakingly learn the need and necessity to prioritize my own health. And as, you know, someone who recognizes you, Jason, I see you, brother. I, I want you to to be able to operate at your optimum capacity,
1: yeah. right? Man, I appreciate
2: Self-care it, Self-care is, is a huge part of that. And, and, and I got the sense from, <laughs> that your mother
1: agrees with me. <laughs> <laughs> She definitely does. Yeah. <laughs> now that you're all warmed up, let's talk about my mom. Most Sundays, I pull up to my mother's house with a coffee in the New York Times. I stop in the middle of the driveway to grab the Washington Post she has delivered every week. Then I ring the doorbell. I got a key, but I never use it, mainly because I love the look of excitement on her face when she opens the door, even though she's always expecting me. Other than holiday decor, and on this Sunday, my mother had broken out the browns, oranges, and yellows for the upcoming Thanksgiving dinner, this house ain't changed in years. From the green carpet to the tchotchkes and old knickknacks that pepper the coffee table to the gallery wall of random art, including a framed Washington Post profile on me from years ago, as moms do, to the strange assortment of clocks scattered around the living room, dining room, and kitchen, all of which are set to different times. Some ten minutes fast, others six minutes slow. The radio is always on in the kitchen unless the television is on. And on Sundays, it's the TV. Which is strange because my mother don't never sit in the kitchen on Sunday. She sits in the office where there's also a TV. Yeah. Dion look good, don't you? Who is it? was dion like oh. like There she go. Now, on Sunday... She makes what has to be a half a liter of instant coffee, which is why I bring my own, and holds up in her office, which used to be my older brother's room, and watches the news all day long.
3: more. I wanna take except a except Come on though. I wanna take a selfie.
1: For when I come over. Please send me a selfie. I would love to get a selfie from you every now and then. Your beautiful face.
3: Okay. Now for me to take a selfie, what do I do? Hit this?
1: hmm that, that means turn the camera around to face you. So that, hit that button. Boom. I'd say at least a third of my role as son is comprised of either fixing my mother's printer or teaching her how to use her latest piece of technology. The computer, a new television, and, of course, her cell phone. See, that's the one I took.
3: That's oh, That's great. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but I, you know.
3: That's a really good picture of you. You took that of you. Mm-mm.
1: These Sundays are important to me because, in some ways, they serve as my church. As someone who's not the most religious, man, there's some kind of altar for me to kneel at. And that altar happens to be at this home where we're sitting right now the home of the great Isabel Reynolds, which also happens to be the home I grew up in. It's where I cut my teeth, lost my teeth, and grew new teeth. It's where she taught me to eat the world.
3: What's new, babe? It's been a rough week. In what way?
1: Furthermore, it's where I come to lay my burdens down. I don't know. There's a lot going on, right? Every now and then. I had those times where I'm just like, you know, overwhelmed. Every day or every week, you sort of wake up, you can start your week, you put everything where it needs to be in your mind about all the things you have to do, all the people you have to do it for, all the work you have to do, or the, I mean, you know, you know this, you've done it your whole life. Yeah. And then sometimes, you just want to scream.
2: Yeah.
1: But I don't scream. At least I try not to. However, I feel whatever the weight of a scream is in my body. And I've been thinking a lot lately about where a person puts that weight. I mean, life is a lot of things, you know. Maybe it's more accurate to just say life is a lot. I guess it's this way for everyone, but I know it's this way for me. Don't get me wrong. There's so much laughter. There's so much joy, so much. But there are just as many moments where I feel So much pressure, the skin on my face feels stretched from the tension of tears, almost to the point of splitting some imaginary scene that runs from Widow's Peak to Goatee. Days where one moment I'm basking in the weird affirmations of my life, that I've somehow made something of it, and I feel so useful to the world. And then, shortly after, I feel, well, I feel used by the world, completely depleted after giving whatever I have to whoever needs it you You know and I just this was one of those weeks where I was kind of like you know because there's never a time where anyone who needs something from me says maybe I won't ask maybe I maybe I won't ask him to do it except for you (laughs) (laughs) you're the one I want to ask you're the one I'm saying ask me But don't nobody want to hear all that. Don't nobody want to hear me crying about how living my dream should come with some kind of instruction booklet or at least a warning label. And the only way to deal with it is to play perspective games, to force-feed myself emotional illusions like, but I wouldn't trade it for the world, or it's better than what I used to be doing, or be grateful. I'm talking like strangers and the, the industry and the, you know, it's like, we need an interview, we need this, we need that, we need this, we need that, we need this thing, that thing, this thing, and that and it's like How How am I supposed to do all of this and maintain some sense of mental health, get rest, take care of like the how truth I is I wouldn't trade my life for anything. And it is better than what I used to do. And I am grateful, but I'm also human. Sure, I've seen and done things my family and many of my friends could have only dreamt of, but I don't mean there's not a heavy cost. So when what feels like the collective boot is upon my back, I always ask myself, where exactly am I supposed to put the weight? And then, just in time, Sunday comes. What am I supposed to do? it's
3: It's not what happens, it's how you react to what's happened. You know, you can either get all flustered and upset, little bit about argue, oh, just take it in stride. And and one thing for sure, it will work itself out. Always does. And when you take your time, it works out to your benefit. It does. It really does. But you are so much like your mother in more ways than you would even realize. You may look like your daddy. I to that. I ain't got no choice. But you know what, Jay's motivational people or people who are driven are basically that way.
1: The irony's not lost on me that this is coming from a lady who struggles to take a selfie, but clearly don't struggle to see herself. You made me like this. What do you think made you like this?
3: I think it's just part of my makeup, son.
1: I kind of feel like it's part of mine. Something in me that pushes me because I can do anything. And by the way, I can do anything. You know how I know? Cause my mother told me so. Matter of fact, my mother made me tell myself so every night as a child. She made me say it loud enough for her to hear or after I recited my nightly prayers. It didn't matter how tired I was. It didn't matter if I was upset or annoyed or if we weren't getting along or even if I was sick. I had to say it aloud every single night in this same house. The TV playing in the kitchen loud enough for me to hear, but never loud enough to distract me from those four words. My non-negotiable mantra. I can do anything.
0: just getting started more family drama when our story continues stay tuned support for stamp judgment comes from odoo what is odoo Well, odoo is the only software your business will ever need featuring a suite of integrated business applications odoo connects your business operations together so you can get more done in less time. Odoo has apps for everything. CRM, accounting, sales, HR, inventory, marketing, manufacturing, you name it, Odoo's got it. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash snap. That's O D O dot com slash snap. Welcome back to Snap Judgment, the Mama Knows Best episode, where writer Jason Reynolds was giving us a guided tour of his most important relationship. Snap Judgment.
1: Let's get back to my mom. Let me tell you more about this amazing person. If I had to sum up her personality in a single word, well, first of all, I wouldn't want to. But if I had to, it would be driven. She worked in insurance, and her office was an hour away from where we lived, so she had to be out the house by 6 a.m. to avoid traffic. She started working for this company when she was a 16-year-old, clawing her way up from the mailroom to the executive office, the only black woman, the only black person, period, in that position. Driven. She was driven as a mom, doing her best to make sure my brother and I had everything we needed food on the table every night, staying up to check our homework and taking us to practices and games, even though she had to be up early to take that long journey to the office. She was driven to be the best family member, wife, daughter, sister, auntie, doing her best to give everything she had. And on the weekends, when she should have been resting, she'd be micromanaging our chores. My main chore was to dust, which... Let me tell you, it was tough because our house was like a bazaar, full of things that seemed like they were supposed to be dusty. Today, she's still that person. And I can do anything kind of person, at least to me. Still spreading herself thin, trying to be everything to everybody. Only difference is, well, I ain't got to dust no more. Thank God. I grew up in a house full of things, ma. Right? I grew up with you in a home where we there were there are things everywhere in this house, right? Old things. Everything's got a story. Everything. So that's what I value. My fear is that I will wake up with all of these with all these beautiful stories around me, and I won't have one of my own. That's my that's my fear because I've, because so much of my life has been just work, 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 and I don't know if I'm living fully right now. To me, you live well. My lifestyle is a good lifestyle. Yeah, it is. But am I living my life? Is what I'm saying. I got you. (laughs) Let me ask you this: What do you think makes you feel joy? Because that's what I'm trying to figure out.
3: I think the main thing, Jace, when it boils down to, that makes me feel good is to feel needed. More needed than
1: wanted. More needed than wanted. I get that. I really, really do. It's like I said, there's nothing better than the moments I feel useful to the world. It almost makes me wonder if service is addictive. A drug that causes some kind of strange endorphin rush. Or if service has become a crutch I use to prop up some insecurity I'm unaware of. Or maybe if it's, if it's a sexy way to hide my workaholism. And what if workaholism is genetic? I mean, I know it's not. At least, I don't think it is. But what if? I think this is a good thing that you've given me, but I think that it could be, it, I have to figure out how to, how to harness it the right way. I think it's taken you a long time to figure that out, and I think that it's done great things for your life, especially people, the lives of the people around you who benefited from it. But I also think it's caused
3: you tremendous grief, grief.
1: Grief in so many forms, like sleepless nights or drink too many, or cancer. Growing up, I watched my mother serve as a pillar holding up far too much, our family immediate and extended. The company she worked for, all her friendships. She'd become more of a a what than a who. Machine. Perhaps like a vending machine. And I know this sounds harsh, but it's true that we all just took from her. And we took from her and took from her without ever depositing anything. Just knocking against her and taking whatever she had to offer, only to look on in awe at her refusal to break down.
3: It didn't take me long to figure it out, baby. I figured it was that a long time ago. I just wouldn't do it. I felt I was more of a coward to do it. I couldn't say no. I didn't want to say no. Especially family members who were expecting me to do X, Y, and Z. And I felt within myself, I'm not going to let them down.
1: So I did, and still do, exactly what I was taught. I do anything. If I want to do it, nothing tells me I can't. If I've never done it, well, I ain't afraid to try. And if I don't know how, I'm willing to learn. But sometimes the weight of anything gets heavy because it's not always about the things I want to do. Sometimes it's about the things I don't want or need to do. But I'm so used to doing it all, whatever it takes to not just make my dreams come true, but to sustain them, while also figuring out how to quell the nightmares of my kith and kin if possible. And to me... Everything is possible. Everything. But it don't always feel that way. So what are you gonna do? I don't know. I don't know.
3: Try to figure it out
1: and try to give myself permission to just To just not do what I can't do. Can't do everything. No, you can't. And some things I just have to be okay with saying you know what? Can't do it. Not right now. Maybe not ever. (laughs) You just can't do it, you know?
3: It's that you just don't want to disappoint nobody. Yeah. And that's okay too. You don't know what life brings. It's, it's, mm mm. And it's important to live each day for what makes you happy.
1: What makes me happy? Learning about the world and laughing with kids and eating a delicious meal and, of course, catching up with my mom on Sundays. But always Sunday mornings because by the time evening comes, her eyes are heavy and that old office chair becomes a mattress if mattresses came in right angles. I also come early so I can get out of there around noon. That way I get the rest of my day, my Sunday, to work. What can I say? My mother made me. This podcast was supposed to be a tribute to my mom, honoring her for all she's taught me, like how to always remember where I'm from or how to look to a higher power or how life is about service. Gems to get me to a place she'd never seen. But I realized in talking to her that now that I'm here, maybe I have to take those rules, the commandments of Isabel Reynolds, and tweak them just a little to fit who I am today so I can really live this thing. And maybe, maybe that's what this podcast is really about, what she and I are teaching each other and how perhaps we both could use some lessons on taking selfies, so to speak. So, yeah. I can do anything, even start a podcast about my mother and all she's taught me. But now, it seems like I'm learning that just because I can do anything don't mean I always have to.
3: And if you find time, I know you're busy, and I have no right to ask this because your schedule is so heavy. But you're going to ask it
1: anyway. Yeah. See
3: what I'm saying? This
1: is what happens. We <laughs> <laughs> just talked about this. <laughs> Go ahead, ask what ask. And if all else fails, I'll just change this to an interview podcast or a podcast on new wonders of the world or maybe technology or home improvement or interior design or floral arrangements or self-care, health care, welfare, a podcast on the changing definitions of everyday words or regional slang, a podcast on the history of fashion and how loose is in again, a podcast on just the color red or just wooden buttons or which eyeglasses are best for a heart-shaped face.
0: Thank you so much to Jason, his mother Isabel, and our friends over at Radiotopia Presents for sharing this story with us. My Mother Made Me is a production of Radiotopia Presents and is written and narrated by Jason Reynolds with his mother, Isabel Reynolds. The series is produced by Mark Pagan and edited by Julie Shapiro with production and support from Yuri Lasordo. Julie Shapiro and Audrey Martovitch are executive producers for Radiotopia Presents. Special thanks to LeVar Burton. We are so thrilled to finally get you on this show. Mixing, sound design, and additional original music by Ian Koss. The episode was recorded at Snap Power Station, WAMU. we U. We'd have links to all things Radiotopia
1: at snapjudgment.org.